Welcome to the Dylan Experience. Today is episode 76, and I've got a special guest for you today. But before we get to that guest, make sure you like, like subscribe, follow, do all the things that you do to stay in touch with the podcast. Uh, my next guest is the founder of The Modern Man and the host of The Modern Man podcast, which I have had the pleasure of being on. Uh, in 2018, uh, men died of suicide three and a half times more than women. Studies also show that men are more isolated and less likely to seek help in times of crisis. Obviously, we've heard my story, so I know this. The Modern Man helps men build meaningful relationships to combat mental health. The Modern Man's vision is to connect men in pursuit of their potential. Their mission is to embrace, com uh, embrace discomfort, cultivate community, and unlock potential with values like integrity, growth, and strength and vulnerability. So I'm excited to welcome Ted Fayton to the show, who is the host of the Modern Man podcast. Ted, how are you? Doing good, Dylan, man. Thanks for having me on. It's an honor. Absolutely. It was an honor to be on your show. So it, yeah. it only felt natural to, to get the opposite side of the story. Absolutely, man. And uh, I mean, it, we can go a lot of avenues with my story. I'm, I'm, I'm an open book, brother, but I think you know, we live many, many lives within a full life. Like yeah. I know a lot of people talk about, you know, on the day when you have your, your tombstone, you have the, the date when you were born and, and the date when you passed and everything in between is, is what you make of it. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's been a lot of good experiences, a lot, a lot of rough ones too, but I'm making the best of that, that little hyphen in between, man. Yeah. The dash by the Linda dash. Ellis. Yeah. I love that poem. Um, and, and honestly, it was one of my, I, I read that poem on TikTok. It was one of my like highest performing videos. So oh, nice. I, yeah. I, people, people, if they, if they're watching this podcast, they probably heard me say that, that poem, <laughs> um, that dash in the middle. Well, well Ted, I, I want you to give, I want to give the floor to you and kind of give you an, uh, the opportunity to share just a, a summary of your story. Like how did you become the host of the modern man and, you know, doing what you do now? Yeah. Um, you know, why are you here and, and how did you get here? Um, so I could try to give snippets and we can dig deep in different areas, but um I I always start my story with my father and my mom. Um, you know, both immigrants from Haiti. They both knew education was their way out. So my mom, she went through nursing and became a registered nurse in New York. My dad, he got a law degree in Haiti, finance degree, but left the country in his upper 20s early 30s couldn't use any of that here yeah. so i i start with the in with the influence of sacrifice in my household um grew up i wasn't poor uh but you know there were things that i wanted for that i had to work for myself at a young age starting at 14 once i was old enough to work i was working making my own money to really just keep up with the friends that i had um because my parents put me in catholic school so a lot of my peers were uh, better off financially than my family. So um, spent a lot of time trying to close that gap at a young age. Um, it opened up my eyes to a lot of things compared to the city and the area that I grew up in compared to where I went to school. Um, I spent a lot of time because I was in Catholic school with, I would say almost those identity issues, right? I was, it was funny because anyone listening, if, if they're not watching, they, they might not know I'm black. Because growing up, I used to always be, <laughs> I used to always be the guy that was 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 too black for the white kids, too white for the black kids, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> it was like, dang, like, 
yeah. uh, th- there's something a little off about this guy. Right. You know, you know, you're very well spoken, uh, but you know, you're rough around the edges. <laughs> That's kind of yeah. how I describe it. But man, I mean, that kind of motivated me, motivated me to kind of look around, find where I fit in life, found gaming, video games, built a computer, found a clan, thought I was going to go to school for computer engineering. Man, I end up going to school for computer science and almost fell out of school. So luckily I landed in meteorology um, and that saved my college career. Got a degree in meteorology, but didn't get a job after I graduated. I worked at a law firm, which was some of the darkest times for me. Uh, Got diagnosed with ulcerative colitis while working at the law firm. That was the turnaround of my story where changed my trajectory, changed my mindset. And that a year later led me to starting my dream job in TV and working as a meteorologist. I did that for almost a year, then moved to South Carolina, did that for three years, and then had the opportunity to be a morning anchor. Then I took that opportunity, but anchoring was a lot of negativity. And to balance out that negativity, I started a podcast called Dore No Rainbows, talking about mental health met a business owner while I was doing that podcast. I told him my vision of, you know, just looking around, realizing every checkpoint in life, I had a positive male role model to check in with, or I had a a group of guys that I had helped me advance to the next level. And I always had male role models to confide in, get advice from things like that. So wanting to lean in and, and really put that message forward came into fruition three, three or four years ago with the modern man. And then I've been doing that. We had a few conferences and uh, moved to a new city, went digital, had the podcast. And here I am today, man. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. You know, I, I, like I, I feel a little bit of jealousness because I, I never grew up with a lot of really strong male role models, at least positive ones. You yeah. know, and, and I, you know, I, I just like kind of relating to your story. It's, it's really interesting because you know, we've already had a conversation already. Um, but man, like, you know, when you, when you don't grow up with that and, and you realize that, I, I think it's, I think a lot of men have that issue. And I, I imagine that, you know, that, mm-hmm. um, but like men, if they don't have positive real uh, male role models, like you, you're forced to look at yourself and, and you're forced to become de- deeply introspective um, and, and you have to learn how to validate yourself. And that's not always a beneficial thing for you. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. And, and I'm curious, like, what, what was it like to, to have positive male role models? Like, what, what did it do for you? And what kind of benefit do you, do you gain from it? I mean, honestly, it was, it was small, subtle things of vulnerability in areas um you know sometimes where you're too afraid to ask mom or you're 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 maybe you don't want to get punked by your friends and stuff i asked my dad you know if it was something like sex or something uncomfortable you know i was able to ask my dad and i remember my dad was very mad like very matter of fact about things and very like (laughs) nonchalant but his reaction would always gauge how i felt about it um and and it, and it's interesting because I I I I understand, and and that's kind of what the thought process with Modern Man was. I was so lucky to have some of those instances where I was able to confide in my dad. There are also things too, though, 
that um my dad doesn't know yeah there are also things that uh i had to navigate when i disagreed with my dad in certain areas right um, so i i think and it's interesting because i do think a lot of us as men go through this where like we look for a father figure and we look for validation and someone to look up to and that that's a beautiful thing to have that but there was also an instance of the um insubordination there too how um, do i challenge it yeah like right. i i have a lot of values a lot of fundamental beliefs that I got from my family and from my parents and from my father. There are also things about me that I've picked up along the way on my own that mm -hmm. my parents might not prescribe to agree with, whether it be, I mean, we, we grew up in a different country and in a different time. Right. <laughs> so there's one case in point I could think of is, you know, working in TV, you know, my dad loves me to death, but he'll literally text me one morning. He's like, don't ever wear that again. That's a clown suit. And it'll be something, it would be something, <laughs> Dylan, as subtle as like my pocket square matched my tie. Like he's old school, like you should have a white pocket square, white shirt, nothing else, brother. <laughs> a solid tie. It, it, I don't, he's, and your suits need to be gray, black, or brown. Nothing, no polka dots, nothing. Yeah. He's very old school like that. But I'm like, dad, Look at everybody else on TV. Look at like there's there's different pops of style now because I'm not wearing anything crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but he's like, yeah, you look like a clown. I have to be okay with that. Maybe that's what opinion. I was going for, Dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's but we become and if you're like me, and I do think when it comes to like I've learned this in love and in relationships and in the people you really hold dear to your heart, their opinion matters to you. Right. And, you know, when it came to my dad, his opinion mattered to me so much that there was a level of transition where um, uh, I realized that there's going to have to be a level of delinquency yeah. that I have to be okay with and my dad will have to be okay with as right. I become my own man. Um, <laughs> to, to this, And it's funny, as I'm saying this on the podcast, and I can only say, because I don't think he's going to listen to it, and I've made the decision. <laughs> but like, um, You won't send the, it his way. <laughs> but, but, but the irony is it, it's it's a nod to him, right? Uh, when I first moved away from home, and sorry if I'm rambling, but... You go ahead. He, I love he it. Gave, he gave me a poem, uh, If Poem, by Rudyard Kipling. Yeah. Um, and, and it's probably my favorite poem, and it was so impactful, and it kind of sums up a lot of what my dad did to me growing up, like the little nuanced lessons that he's given me along the way that I wasn't fully aware of it until I'm a grown man moving out of the house on my own and then reading this poem. And one of the last words is yours is the earth and everything that's in it. Yeah. And the line after that is what is, uh, and what is more, you'll be a man, my son. So I've wanted for the longest time to get a tattoo on my inner bicep that just says yours is the earth and everything that's in it. Yeah. It's just kind of that reminder of, you know, not necessarily as an ownership, like I own this world, but also the responsibility thing, you know, mm -hmm. responsibility for your home, responsibility for your community, your surroundings and the world that you live in and responsibility for the morals and the values that in which you set for yourself and your family and living to that, that all encompassed in that. But I haven't gotten a tattoo in the longest time because I know my parents disapproval for tattoos. So <laughs> I, I think, I think there's this, I think men often kind of imply 
this this very definitive obedience mm-hmm. in in society like the like men are much better at making people obedient right whether it's physical emotional or you know whatever not necessarily control but like there's an implication that when men step forward we're we're here to make people obedient to or subservient to the culture or to the um the vision or the value or the 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 requirements of society um whereas and not not to say that women don't do that but but women have this kind of this this differing of opinions mm-hmm. um and and i think like if you if you maybe look in literature and especially like the bible there's this counter counterbalance of adam and eve right like like eve is kind of the or the snake is the the kind of the testament to testing men to be disobedient um, and, I, and I think, I, I don't know the Bible that well, but I think there's this balance that has to be struck between obedience and disobedience, mm-hmm. where, you know, like we can, we can look at that and say, being disobedient is a bad thing, right? And that's, I think, what has historically kind of been, been toted as the ideal. Um, but right now, especially, right, and maybe it's not a good thing, but it's benefiting certain people and certain groups, Right, disobedience is is a powerful place to stand right now, especially with social media and especially with like things like podcasts and being able to voice things. Right, and we've talked we mm-hmm. talked about this on your podcast, right? Like the 1960s and the civil rights movement. Really, that that disobedience gave you the opportunity to to speak, yeah. right, in in culture, and that's a profound and powerful thing to have your voice be heard. Whereas, like before that it would have been just mine, mm-hmm. right? You wouldn't have had the opportunity and that's just not fair, right? And so yeah. like, like it's, it's remarkable that we, we look at that and we're like, we've, we've historically been taught that obedience is important, mm-hmm. but we've never, I think only, only recently have we opened up the conversation to say, but disobedience has a place. <laughs> and, you know, never is that more apparent than I think uh sons in their 20s and 30s yeah right and 40s that they're looking up to their fathers and saying yeah dad i'm gonna do it differently yeah you know i'm gonna i'm gonna switch it up here yeah i might i might get a tattoo what (laughs) yeah wait 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 (laughs) so i guess it's a bad time to tell my parents i decided to get a tattoo but well keep in mind you got until this is coming out in february so you got some time <laughs> i might already have it by then yeah. <laughs> just plan for it yeah. <laughs> which but you're, you're so right in the in the disobedience because um and, and honestly though that's that's where the love comes into play because yeah. i mean there's there's the disobedience and there's the also also um the understanding right and, and that's and that's why i do think like it's so important to have some of this this balance because the thought process behind the understanding of when i went skydiving which i've done twice the first time i did it my mom my mom did not know <laughs> but i remember telling my dad who wholeheartedly <laughs> disagreed with me skydiving wholeheartedly 
And I remember telling him, I already paid. I'm going skydiving. It's happening. He's like, why? This, 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 the other thing. And this is something I, I've learned and, and valued so much. And I'm so thankful. But I remember after arguing with me with it, he, he finally conceded with, don't tell your mom. <laughs> Because he could also, and then a little smirk comes in, and then we start talking about, you really going to do this? Because he also remembers what it's like being nope. <laughs> young and rebellious and everything. So he, he'll fight me, but also kind of instigate it too afterwards. Like, all right, don't tell mom. Yeah. And what time are you going? I'm going to make sure mom's by the phone. So like, I called my mom after skydiving, and I remember... <laughs> I, I remember calling my dad was next to her on the bed and I was like hey mom I got good news and bad news she's like what, what, what's going on <laughs> I said well mom the bad news is I just jumped out of a plane she's like, what what I was like calm down I'm calling you safely from the ground so you can't freak out anymore that's the good news <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the good news I'm still alive <laughs> but like so I, I do think that rebellion is is important when I say that rebellion uh, it's it's also because man as I, as i'm getting older and and and, and i'll just be 100% honest real and, and transparent the world becomes a scarier place the more i know yeah and and when i say that it's also i'm learning more and as i'm learning more i'm aware of more threats and i'm not becoming pessimistic i'm very optimistic loving and caring and understanding of the world but also more and more aware of some of the things that i don't i don't agree with yeah i'm more and more aware of some of the things that i'd like to protect myself from yeah. my family from um and because i'm becoming more aware of that i also understand that obedience doesn't always mean right obedience right. doesn't always mean moral and you can think of a oh, lot of boy that's a conversation right there <laughs> but like but that's that's the thing is what haunts me if i'm being honest where my ambition comes from the the reason why like my family my friends they tell me like you know i'm very uh business minded recently and thinking of you know acquiring passive income wealth the re revenue that i can kind of have control over it's because what scares me the most and what i'm most aware of is what if there become there comes a time of obedience in which i don't have the independence to be obedient there, there's a there's a level of capacity we have to have to be disobedient in the first place when i'm saying i'm jumping out of a plane I have the money to pay for me to go out of a plane. And oh yeah, I'm not living at home. Yeah. So if my parents are like, if you're under my roof, if you're in my house, if you know, there's there's things that I need to get first. I have to establish a certain level of freedom in my life to exercise that disobedience. Yeah. And I think that's where, honestly, if I think back to like someone when I was so miserable and upset and everything, I was still under my parents' roof. I didn't feel like I was able to mold who I was. I still was, I felt stuck. And yeah. that's, that's what was a hard place for me to be in. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's such a, all of that was remarkably profound, right? Like, you, like talking about, you're talking about fuck you money, right? Like I, yeah, I, I, now I have enough money to say fuck you to my parents yeah. if I, if I can. Right. You know, and that's not to, to outright say fuck you to my parents. Cause I don't, 
No, I do that to my mom every <laughs> once in a while, but she says it back to me. So it's, it's, it's in fun. It's in good fun, it's lovely. but it's, it's that ability to, you know, and maybe money isn't really the best kind of item to really look at. It's, can you do enough for yourself to look at someone else and say, I don't need you to tell me what's right or wrong because I've done the work to know what's right or wrong, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's not, doesn't always mean you're right or wrong, right? It just, what that represents is you have the individual intellectual capacity or physical hardworking capacity to meet your needs. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think there's, I think there's a lot to be said for that because that's something that I think everybody really needs to kind of double down on right now is how do you meet your needs? What are your needs? Right. Cause I don't think people really know what their needs are. Right. I think people think like food, water, shelter, clothes. Yeah. Cool. But what about human connection? Like how do you actually build that and grow that? Because some people like myself didn't grow up, grow up with a father. Right. Mm -hmm. Some people didn't grow up with a mother. Some people didn't grow up with brothers and sisters. And so they didn't grow up with friends. And so like stepping into this social capacity to say, uh, how do I connect with another human being? Right. Everybody is everybody else in my friends group is in a relationship, but I don't know how to even make one. Right. Yeah. How, you know, how do I define sex? How do I define interaction? How do I define, you know, giving and not giving, you know, guilt? you know, regret, shame, how do I define all of these things? Um, and I, it, nowhere in any curriculum is that taught, right? It, like, it's, it's, here's what procreation looks like in health class. That's it, right? Mm -hmm. it, and then it might define here's a venereal disease. And here's a here's what a condom does, right? Yeah. But it's not, uh, what is rape? Right? Like, mm -hmm. what is sexual assault? It's, it's not, you know, what is, what does it mean to build love in a relationship? Yeah. What does it mean to build a relationship at all? What is marriage? Mm -hmm. um, it, you know, we don't have those conversations. We don't educate kids yeah. like myself and like you at, at one point to, to grow up and realize, wow, there's other perspectives out there than just mm -hmm. my parents. Right? I love that you said that because I, I, I think there's also the unique the unique perspective of my parents did the best they could and as lovingly as they could raised me with the knowledge they knew of the country they just moved into right you know so they taught me everything they can but there were a lot of things that i had to learn on my own because there was a language barrier for them and there was um it, it's crazy to sit down at, at a at, at ihop and my dad who I mentioned before has a law degree and a finance degree in a different country, but moves here and none of that's useful. So he, you know, he's working as a retirement consultant. My mom is a 30 year registered nurse, uh, psychiatric nurse, you know, taking care of people every day, talking about, oh, there was a code blue. They had to resuscitate people, th things like that. And we sit and order breakfast and they're like, Oh, how would you like your eggs? And my mom goes, uh, omelet. And the lady's like, Oh, sweetie. That's, that's not what you're ordering. And like, you know, you're growing up and having to explain to the waitress, oh, she means she just wants it scrambled and this, the other thing. And you see people judge the intelligence of your parents, right? Yeah. Because they don't know any better. Yeah. But that's just an example in terms of while certain values I learned from my parents, um, you know, 
how to love, how to operate as a team, right? Um, how to cover each other's flanks and, and things like that. You know, there were also American tendencies that I had to pick up on my own, right. whether it be for my friends and, and things like that. But something you you said that that really hit me about, you know, not knowing how to learn how to do this or what. So many of us grow up with the perspective of our lives being the the truth of the world. And what I've learned is a lot of people have different truths. Mm -hmm. And that's okay as long as 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 long as you're not impeding on the other truths around you, right? Like it's one of those things where when I talk about how I view the world or what I think as good, right and wrong or whatnot, that's all subject to my experiences. And you mentioned doing the work of all that. <laughs> I know this guy's this guy's name is a trigger, but I, I remember when it first came out, Michael Vick. I I love Michael Vick's story. So the fact of the matter is, when it first came out about the dog fighting stuff, yeah, I remember, and I got so much flack for this, saying this to my friends, mm -hmm. but I was like, can we consider for a second my man's upbringing? Yeah. Right. Like, it's so hard for people to fathom the fact of the matter is he didn't grow up in a world where this was not okay. Right. Now, we can all agree it's not okay, but we're discussing the fact of was he taught it was not okay? Because that's a completely different thing, you know? And unfortunately, there are people who live in a world where some things the general public will deem is not okay is just Tuesday for them. And, and 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 when we I understand those experiences are taboo and it's not I'm not saying that he didn't deserve to serve time. No, but the th the thing about it is it's from my understanding at all accounts from what I've seen is, you know, the man served his time and he's trying to make up for it. Right. Yeah. If I find out the way I've been living, the way I have been, something I tweeted five years ago was wrong, I would hope for the opportunity to acknowledge the mistake apologize for it, and try to make it right yeah. as best as i can but that's where the learning the adapting and understanding of you know i don't know it all comes into play and and this this lends itself to an entire conversation you know about something that's remarkably controversial and that's race right like the 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 just thinking about drugs right and and looking at the war on drugs and how it specifically targeted a specific race and whether that was intentional or not, it happened. Right. And now at this point we're in 2022 and we're looking at the very thing that caused so many people to be put into, you know, institutions and, and, you know, prison is now being legalized. Mm -hmm. And I like, a government is not a person, but at the same time, when we look at what happened to an entire culture, right, th there's a big fucking problem there, mm -hmm. right? Because that didn't happen to my family because, you know, we, we didn't grow up with that, but, but it happened to, you know, a, a number, how, however many number of black fathers, right, and, and mothers, but like specifically black men. Yeah. And that's like... It, it lends itself to how we have a conversation, right? Media led us to narrate these things and how they were deemed, whether they were deemed right or wrong. 
-hmm. but we never had a realistic and diverse discussion from all ends of the of every culture right it was you know in the 80s and 90s it was a bunch of white people talking about how you know marijuana is a gateway drug mm. yeah good luck how about <laughs> trauma is a gateway drug and that's yeah. the fucking problem that we don't we didn't we didn't know how to talk about back then yeah but but now like we're we're sitting here and the residual effects of the war on drugs is now being played out in the media all over again but it's race mm-hmm. right and it's it's black lives matter versus conservatives or you know democrats versus conservatives or this or that and it's and it's this battle that has not changed all that all that much because we don't know how to have a fucking conversation about this stuff we don't know how to look at you know ted what's your version of right and wrong here and let me express what my version of right and wrong here and then let's challenge each other right yeah like that we don't do that on in in the media we say here's my line you're wrong right mm-hmm. and then here's my line you're wrong and it's just not a it's not a, like I, that's why i think podcasts like these are coming to be more you know popular is because mm-hmm. people are listening to just regular people having conversations and respecting each other it's remarkable yeah. it's it's a it's a what you said there i think is so true because i've been talking uh, a lot in length recently about the people's inability to sit in opposing views and ideas uh and it's so hard for people to do nowadays because and and a a great documentary i recommend if someone hasn't seen it um the social dilemma yeah yeah. and i mean the reality of it is you want a real eye-opener for anybody who lives with their spouse get your spouse's phone shouldn't be a problem (laughs) that's shouldn't be a problem if that's a problem there's something else we need to talk about but grab your spouse's phone open up the social media app whether it's facebook whatever and scroll through their feed this (laughs) i and and i and i say that not to be snooping on your partner i mean my wife could pick up my phone scroll through my instagram whatever but literally i was on my wife's phone opened up instagram for for something to show her and I just started scrolling through her feed and it was drastically different than yep. mine. And you have to understand, we have the same zip code. We live in the same apartment. We sleep in the same bed. But in all intents and purposes, our exposure to the world is completely different. Yep. And if it, we, Echo chambers. Correct. Right. And if we don't, if we don't focus and acknowledge our connection in the real world, we could end up living in the same zip code, same apartment, sleeping in the same bed, and and then end up having a completely different experience and a completely different perspective of the world, and we grow apart. That's how so many intimate relationships grow apart. And and, and I want to I want to add, if you don't mind me mm-hmm. interrupting, like how important it is to also recognize this in connection to trauma, because I'm I'm a mental health coach, so I'm always kind of going back to like the foundation of where I think mental health goes awry trauma, this idea of echo chambers, right? It's the idea where your voice is the only thing that you hear, or this voice is the only thing that you hear and you can't hear other voices. You're not allowed to, you don't give yourself the option to let's talk about trauma. Trauma is this, this disturbing or like just absolutely terrible event that comes into your life and says, your body is overwhelmed. And Mm -hmm. what that does is it automatically shifts your perspective from feeling safety to feeling threatened. 
constantly, right? And, and how, that, how that trauma is processed determines whether you actually shift that perspective back to safety or not. Now, if you don't process it, which is often the case, uh, people will stay in this threatened mode. And then so when you get in this echo chamber, that then becomes this conscious kind of redevelopment of what you're looking at. That's that can that, that can keep you there. That can be a part of the process that keeps you there. Right. Mm -hmm. This is this is like the fear mentality of media has has done this for for decades now. Yeah. Um, and so I, I really advocate for people to recognize their trauma and then look at it deeply not to side with the right people to vote for this or that, but to recognize what are you actually listening to? What are you consuming? Because your, your diet, which is what we're talking about here, your mm -hmm. social media diet, your media diet, your, your eyeball diet and your ear diet is just as important as what you put in your stomach. Mm -hmm. Because Absolutely. That, that diet of guilt and shame and regret can, can lead you to suicide. Right. And this is, and we can continue onto that conversation, but the, you know, like that's the, 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 the real dilemma here is if you don't know how to listen to other people, mm -hmm. you have a huge, a huge obstacle in front of you. Yeah. Um, and I cannot, you know, as a man, that was one of my biggest problems. And it's, it's the reason that I almost ended my life is that I never, I never gave myself the opportunity to talk to someone else to then hear what, what I was bad at. Mm. And that mm. was a big mistake and it nearly ended. It nearly killed me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, it, 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 I could, I could say for, for, for me, what I, what I had to work on a lot, and a lot of times we realize this in intimate relationships is um, identifying my flaws and the sen my sensitivity to those flaws. Yeah. Um, you're right. It, 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 when you have social media, when you have whether you, you find vices, I think, that will reaffirm the identity in which you believe. So when I would be on social media. I remember when my social media looked like a whole bunch of bodybuilders and, and fitness chicks. Yep. And, and that was, you know, what I was leaning in towards and just trying to manifest that being my reality, but the imperfections I was defensive to mm -hmm. the, the, the imperfections made me feel unsafe. And part of that was, um, you know, my issues with setting boundaries with relationships, my issues with self-validation and self-talk, but, the ability to hear opposing beliefs, I would get so defensive right away. And and especially most of us are logical people to the point where we can convince ourselves of a reality yep. we don't even agree with, right? We can convince ourselves of a reality we don't even agree with. Yep. And we are so good at that. And and when we get challenged on that, it we we fight for our lives to hold on to it. Because we're comfortable there. I, ironically, we're comfortable there. For me, it was it was a comfort I didn't want to let go of. This is my identity. And this is, for example, when I was at home and I was eating McDonald's, I was eating fast food multiple times a week. And my parents are, I was living with my parents. They're cooking a full course meal for me, a well-balanced meal. 
This is before I ended up in the hospital with my autoimmune disease, which was pretty much because of my diet. I was doing this to myself. My reality was I was miserable coming home from work. And because I was miserable coming home from work, the only thing that I think I felt like eating was fast food, was these chicken nuggets, fries, sweet tea. That's the only thing I felt like eating. The reality is you have food at home. The problems are that you are facing are not that you're hungry. I want to, I want to ask you something because I want to see if, uh, if you recognize this, did you, did you eat your fast food alone? Yeah. I think that's interesting because, and I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but I didn't. Could you have grabbed your fast food because you didn't want to eat with your family to then represent your feelings or your emotions of your situation? I would think so. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. I think that's so that like, like, no, I don't know. Not many people think on that, on, on stuff like that when, when they're in the moment, right? Like when you're in the moment, you don't really think about like, what does this really represent? Right. Well, eating alone represents, I want to remain isolated because I, I don't want to connect. I want to disconnect. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so you just do these things because, well, the first time I was like, Oh, I'm going to go home and they made me, they made, I know they made food. I want to eat it. So I'm going to say I already ate. I'm going to just yeah. grab fast food or something like that. And, and like you think about that the first time, but you don't really think about the implications of it and what it does to you, where it takes you. Mm -hmm. um, but that's like, that's what I do, right? Those are the things that I look at and I notice. And what we don't realize is that behavior manifests itself beyond just that moment, right? Because if you do it early on, right, let's say 10, 10 to 10 to 18, mm -hmm. that that manifests itself in different places, right? Mm -hmm. So if if you start eating fast food because you want to isolate, that probably and you did that in your 20s, that probably came from doing that in a different time of your life earlier, mm -hmm. right? There was probably a moment where you were like, I do not want my parents' feedback because it's going to challenge me. It's going to upset me. It's going to be a problem for me. And so uh, instead of telling them I did something wrong or telling them I feel upset because I know what their response is going to be, I'm going to isolate myself. I'm not mm -hmm. going to tell them that. And that's where like parents then look at their kids and they're like, you're a liar, right? <laughs> or you're, you know, why aren't you talking to me? And they don't realize, I think, often, and I, I make this mistake, I think every parent makes this mistake, is that your your children are assuming your answers because mm -hmm. you've been repetitive with them. Yeah. And you're causing them stress, right? And that's not a, necessarily always a bad thing, but it is something to really pay attention to if you want to really connect with a child. You lose out on that sometimes. Yeah. I mean, you're so right because my parents had high standards and they held me to high standards. And it, it did get to a point where didn't want to talk about it, didn't want to, yep. didn't want to face it, didn't want to have to even discuss it. And I mean, and some of it too were was my parents trying to make me okay with the situation. Yep. Um, you know, at one point I was working at a law firm, and it just it, it wasn't for me. It wasn't a bad place to work. It just wasn't for me, yep. um, and I was just also in a bad place, but. You know, the, the opportunity came to shadow an attorney and go to law school and work at the law firm. 
And my parents were like, this is it. This is it. This is it. <laughs> you know, and for anyone that knows, you know, the ch children of immigrants, like the only three choices you have in life yep. to be successful is doctor, lawyer, or failure. They're like those are the only three choices. <laughs> I was I knew the first two. I was like, what's the third one? Failure. <laughs> yeah, like you have three choices in life. You can be a doctor, you can be a lawyer, you can be a failure. Which which one is it gonna be? <laughs> so obviously when they're like, Oh, like this is it. And you know, we talk about that, the, you know, that was one of the, one of the, uh, not major, because they, they were very supportive in it, because it was my decision, but that was another form of disobedience, was both of my parents, like, this is the perfect ticket for you, this is what you need, this is what you got to do, and I just wasn't ready, and I didn't want to do it, you know, so then they would try and, you know, make light of the situation, like, hey, it's okay, you, you know, you're 23 years old, it's okay to be at home with your parents anyway, and I, I didn't want to hear that either. You know, I didn't want them to, I, I, I didn't want to hear anything like, Hey, get off your butt, you know, and figure out what you're trying to do with your life. Yeah. But I also didn't want to hear, Hey, it's okay. You have time. I just, let me be, let me be. I avoided the good and the bad. Yeah. And, and, and that's, then, I, I think some people don't give credit to that is that sometimes nothing can be said. Yeah. You know, I, I, I recently had a, a, a meeting that I was like, it was bad news, right? From the beginning. And that bad news was not going to change, right? Like nothing, nothing that I said was going to impact how that bad news was taken, right? Like this, this person is going through something that's remarkably difficult. Um, and it's only going to get worse before it gets better. Uh, and I honestly, I realized by the end of it, I'm just like, like there's nothing I can say, right? He's he's not going to end his life, right? That's a that's good news, right? Mm -hmm. And so anything I say from this point on, like I just have to let it be, right? Mm -hmm. I, and and you know at the end of it, I just said you know take care of yourself the best you can, right? Mm -hmm. Through all this, just take care of yourself. And I you know, is it something that he wanted to hear? Maybe maybe not, right? But sometimes there's nothing that can be said that will that will change the perspective of a person um and that's why i think social media is actually quite beneficial is because i imagine at some point you pulled up instagram or you pulled up TikTok or you pulled up facebook and you went to you went there yeah and someone <laughs> on that goddamn social media app said something to you that said man you know what i could do I could do that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. How interesting is that? Like th this, this remarkable projection of beneficial information comes from social media, right? Where mm -hmm. if, if you put it out there, someone somewhere is going to look at it and say, right, I can do that. Mm -hmm. I can do that. I can, I can live, right? Like that's what, that's what my message is, is continue yeah. to fucking live. Right. And so people look at that and say, I can do, if he can do it, I can do it. Right. And that's the goal It's like, cause if I can do it, cause I've been through mm -hmm. some shit. Right. And I'm not that cool. I'm not that good. I'm, I'm just a dude. Right. You can fucking do it. Right. Like <laughs> if, if I can do it, I promise you, I'm not that smart. You can do it too. And I can help you, you know? Yeah. And, and, and that, that's okay. Right. Like you don't have to be the parent that, or, or the person that looks at this person and is the change that, you want in them mm -hmm. sometimes 
you have to let other people be that for them, or you have to just let that person find it on their own. That's hard because that requires taking away control from, from you and allowing them the freedom mm-hmm. because that's, that's scary. giving people freedom is scary. Oh man. It's, it's, it's some of the scariest thing you can do for someone you love Yeah, is, is give freedom. And, and when I say give freedom, I mean, you think of how we are, you know, when you see a kid uh, that gets a toy at Christmas that they've been wanting so bad, how possessive they get over it, you know, because they love it so much. They, they hover over it. They take care of it. They keep it close. Yeah. Right. As opposed to giving it freedom. There's a great story. I forgot who said it but it was about the the two hunters or the two the two hikers in the forest that find the beautiful flower i don't know if you heard this one i haven't there's a a wise i believe they're they're hunters but there's a a wise hunter and you know a young hunter And, and the young hunter finds the most beautiful flower in the forest falls in love immediately decides to put it in the pot, brings it home, gives it amazing light, waters it, cherishes it, takes care of it. And it has a pretty good few weeks and then the flower dies. And he ends up spending the rest of his time mourning the beauty of the flower and the rest of his life looking for another flower as beautiful. Wise farmer, uh, hunter finds the most beautiful flower in the forest. Well, what he does is he remembers where it was. He comes back. He trims the trees around it. He he fertilizes the soil around it, but he leaves it where it is, leaves it as it is, and just lets it grow and enjoys some wonderful years with this beautiful flower. He just comes and checks on it and continues to nourish it in its environment. And I think what a lot of times what we do is when we love something so much, we try and not necessarily just control it, but we hover over it. We 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 smother it. We 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 remove it from the environment that sometimes made it so beautiful in the first place. Yeah. And and we try so hard where I mean sometimes the it's it's the natural process that person goes through, right? You know they said uh, just when the when the caterpillar thought its life ended, it turned into a butterfly. You know sometimes we 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 have periods of darkness. We have our cocoon. And and the unfortunate thing is, you know, the catalyst can come in a lot of different ways. For me, it was a hospital bed when I had ulcerative colitis and I blamed everything on the world. And the doctor looked at me, he's like, what's your diet like? You know, what have you been eating, bro? Like your, your large intestine can't handle this, you know? And, uh, and I'm literally, the doctor tells me your diet's important while my parents are standing right next to me. And I'm just like, well, yeah, maybe I could have eaten better. And the doctor's like, okay, what do you think is going to happen? You know, but that's a mirror. And, you know, for me, my cocoon was, I mean, the hospital in the middle of the night where there's someone across the hall screaming. Uh, Morphine, which is terrible. I'm not a fan of morphine, but, you know, I was was on a morphine hit every three hours, but my, I was getting cramps in my stomach, so I couldn't sleep at night. The morphine would relieve the pain, but then I hear my heart beating in my ears because I have earplugs, so I don't hear the guy screaming down the hall. And oh. and it's just all this eerie, eerie setup, and there's nothing but silence and quiet and then myself. 
you start thinking, you start hearing yourself for the very first time. You start having conversations like I'll say, you know, you went ahead and you had the habits that you had. Whose fault is this really? You know, how long are we going to be here? Like that was, that was like, how long are we going to be here? And then, and this was, you know, just my ambition. And I don't know why, but you know, there, there was one thing I said one night over and over again. And then, and I'm sitting there and it was, I, I didn't want to take the morphine because I wanted to fall asleep and I was just, I'm just going to eat the pain. And I remember just thinking to myself, like, if I can get through this, I can get through anything. If I can get through this, I can get through anything. If I can get through this, I can get through anything. If I can get through this, like, it's just like, you're just in a point of just like, man, just let me get through the night. Let me get through the night. Let me get through the night, you know? And, and those, unfortunately, was that, that was the area I had to be to wake up and realize, okay, crap, maybe where you work isn't that daunting you are able to <laughs> you're able to go out with friends on the weekends something you haven't been able to do for over a month and something you haven't been able to do while you've been stuck in this hospital bed like i'm sitting in the hospital bed and the nurse is like today's goal is keep some soft food down right yeah. i'm sitting like man i can't wait to have some of my mom's crappy food again i love my mom's cooking it was not crappy food but i remember in the mindset i, said, I don't want that food yeah. In the hospital, I was like, man, I want that food. <laughs> yeah. It's it's remarkable that like you you changed your perspective, which had kind of these implications of taking away stress from the environment. Where yeah. like you you looked at your job before it was stressful and it, it imparted stress upon you. After you look at it and you say, It's not that bad, right? And all that, all you did was you changed how you viewed the the object in question, you know, and that's, that's, I, I'm a mental health coach. That's what I do, right? Like that half of my job is not to, you know, fix you. It's to take your perspective and shift it, shift the light on the object, mm-hmm. you know, and, and make you look at the correct side of it that shows you, this is how you can view this object and create a narrative that represents something beneficial to you. You know, because there's when when you talk about trauma, which obviously you went through, um, there's a physical experience and there's a cognitive experience, and both are remarkably different. Because you know, with with your physical experience, your body has these subconscious responses to things, and when you consciously recognize those for the first time you you actually connect those two right you connect the physical and the cognitive experience but with trauma what often represents itself is this disconnection the physical experience is what i'm feeling but i don't know how to talk about it mm-hmm. so that's so all i do is feel it and i hide it from people and that's that's disconnecting your cognitive experience and and what what realistically people that I think are successful when, when, they're, when they're overcoming trauma is when you can connect the physical and the cognitive experience, when you can talk about it openly, um, whether it's in front of social media or not, doesn't matter, right? If it's in front of a big group of people, that's not the point. It's can you even talk about it? Can you mm. express it? Can you openly feel it in some ways, right? Can you actually represent feelings from it uh, versus... I feel like I have to hide this, right? Mm. My body feels something, but I can't feel it. 
in front of people, mm -hmm. right? I can't feel it, you know, and that, that, that becomes very disconnecting experience and you're losing. That's where I think people look at the mind and the body as two separate things, even though they're not right. It's we manufacture this separation. Mm. They're not separated. The mind and the body are same. They're in the same thing. They're the same thing, right? The nervous central, the, the central nervous system goes throughout the entire body. That means yeah. you basically have an entire brain throughout your body, mm. right? It's attached. So you can't say that they're separated anymore unless you manufacture that separation and say, my body's doing something. And I don't know what the fuck it's doing. Mm -hmm. It's you're not paying attention to the cues. You're not you're not expressing yourself, right? You're you're disconnecting from the emotions and the feelings. And that's why you're literally disconnecting from the central nervous system mm -hmm. because your body's telling you stuff and you're not listening or observing or feeling right. And, and that's where, that's where things go wrong, right? That's yeah. where the body starts to literally kill itself. Right. Yeah. And then autoimmune disorders become rampant and cancers and these remarkably degenerative things that we don't know how to explain yet. Well, I, I, there's a lot of hints towards stress and how yeah. we manage it. And it, it's remarkable if there's, if, you know, I know there are people I've said this before, but when the body says no by Gabor Mate, fantastic book. And it's something that I think will be the future of medicine. Um, when we start actually understanding the, I think it's the subtitle is the hidden cost of stress, mm -hmm. um, remarkable book and, and very fascinating. I think the thing we don't do enough is is stop and, and check on ourselves. And it's something that I do a lot more now yeah. because of that experience. I mean, you know, when the body says no, I haven't read that book. I'm actually writing that down now. But it makes me think of soccer. Like, for anyone who's played played soccer before, they know – um, ninety-minute game, two forty-five-minute halves, and you're running the whole damn time. Yep. And I mean, for me, I like be I like playing sports. I consider myself an athlete. If we're chasing a ball, I'm down. Let's go. I don't like running, but if we're chasing a ball, let's play. After soccer, I realize how damn tired I am. Like. The game's done. I'm like, oh my god! Suddenly, my legs are jello, <laughs> and like, I'm like, holy crap! Like, yep. I'm so tired. But that is almost the example I feel. You know, I experienced when I finally landed in the hospital was, I was go 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 go, and I never checked on my body. I never stopped to see if my body could maintain this mental. Uh, this mental joust, this mental battle I was I was currently having, right? I was in that process where, I mean, in all in case in points, I was happy-go-lucky. I was the life of the party. I, I wrote about this a while ago where, like, I was, I was literally going to the city and partying with friends and splitting on a table. I remember going to a casino with friends, and we had a cabana by this pool, and like living it up by all accounts on the outside looking in. But then on the week, during the week, it was recluse mm -hmm. silence. 
party on on the weekends, recluse and silence. And 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 it, what's funny is you were the first person to point out that isolation thing. And I would say both were isolation. Yeah. Both were isolation. Like me going out on the weekends partying, it was it was a facade. Yep. It was isolation disguised as as relationship because the music was too loud to talk anyway. No depth. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It was just like, hey, let's eat. Let's meet up, eat, talk about what music the DJ is going to play tonight, who's coming and who you're talking to and what lady's number you're trying to get. And then we're going to go out, we're drinking and then wake up tomorrow morning feeling like crap, grab a breakfast sandwich, go home, recover, and then work all week. And we'll do it again next weekend. You know, there wasn't any depth in that life. And I was doing those two, two things just as a recluse and, and, and through isolation. Uh, but being in that realm, I never stopped and listened to my body. Mm-hmm. And then my body stopped me for me. Yep. It, and, and, and so you mentioned the mind and body being connected. I, I do feel sometimes our body fails us when we neglect it. And sometimes our, 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 our bodies might look great when our mind might be in turmoil. And there's so many people, and it's funny because like me and my wife were just having this conversation not too long ago, and someone had an off comment, and and she was like, "Hey, you know, there's a lot of people who who, by all in, all accounts, look like they have it together, and are struggling on the inside, yeah. holding on for dear life, right? You know, and oh, they're physically fit, they have a nice body, nice job, car, and everything. Yeah, but their their mind is in turmoil." Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's, it's hold on. Like it, it's, and some it, of them don't even know it. That, that is true. Cause they're still in go, go, go mode maybe, or, yeah. or maybe they're, I will say this. When I was in the hospital and I was quiet and I was silent and I was able to hear myself and those, you know, you, you can't escape the thoughts. You, you face them and, and you, and you start processing, okay, where are you in life? And, and, and it was one of those things where I was such a visionary. And I was so focused on where I wanted to go in life. I never once, never once fully embraced and acknowledged Dylan where I was. Never. Mm-hmm. It was always, I want to be this. I want to, I want to get a job on TV. I want to, I want to do, this is where I want to go. But imagine sitting in a car with a GPS system, typing in the address and it, and, and it doesn't know where you are. It's going to be like, we, we don't know your location. If we don't know your location, we can't get you to the destination, bro. We, we can't do it. So I didn't put the destination that I was in. I just focused on where I wanted to go. But when I was in the hospital, the reason leaving and coming home, I wholeheartedly believe the grass is, was the grass was greener, the sky was bluer, the clouds popped wider. It was a it was the same road I drove my whole childhood from that hospital going home. But everything looked different because. I don't want to say I had a plan, but like for, for the first time there was, there was a path I felt I could follow. Right. There was a, there was a step from, okay, where you are. The irony of where I was, was deeper was the way out. Like getting home out of the hospital. One of the first things I did when I started going back to work was like, Hey, I've been working here for three years in the back of my head, I'm like, I know I don't like it here, but I'm going there. I've been working here here for three years. I'd love an employee employee valuation. I'm always here on time. I'm always doing my job. Maybe that can give me a raise. 
three months later, $5,000 raise. Great. I was in a relationship with my ex. Wasn't going well. And I, I remember having that conversation. One of the hardest things I had to do was, listen, there are things in this relationship that need need work. And I'm happy to work on that with you. But while we butt heads, I can't rely on somebody else for the work that I got to do right now. There are certain things I want to solve in my life. And I know I can focus and commit 100% to that. And I can't focus on this relationship while doing those things. So I, I love you. I hope this could be rekindled, but I need to, I need to do some work. After ending that relationship, I was able to move into a basement apartment and, and pay the rent there. And then while I lived by myself, I, I saw I got out of my parents' house. That was one thing that was making me miserable. Uh, so I was living by myself. I was making more money. And then I just started applying like crazy. And then I remember one day at lunch, my supervisor was like, whatever happened to that weather gig you were trying to get? And my phone ringed, and it was the first phone interview to what ended up being my first TV job. And that all conspired in the 12 months after I got out of the hospital. But I remember when the doctor, when I lost 30 pounds in that one month, when the doctor says, oh, you know, take it slow and physical fitness and stuff and whatnot. I was like, yeah, okay, doc, I, I got you. And I was responsible. But a month later, a month and a half later, I was on top of a mountain snowboarding again because I, I realized where I was and embraced it. And I decided, like, I got to take a step. I got to take a step. And that was the difference, I would say, for me. Before the hospital, I was where I was, right? I was I was looking around, blaming the world, and then feeling stuck, right? Mm -hmm. I couldn't get a job anywhere. Yeah, I'm trying to apply. I'm trying to apply. I couldn't get a job anywhere. I, I couldn't get out of my parents. I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't. That was always my thought, my feeling, and my answer. Why don't you? I can't. I can't. I can't. In the hospital, because I realized that I put myself there with my diet and my habits and drinking and all that, I was like, man, okay, if I got myself here, like if I'm <laughs> like the doctor should have told me like, bro, you're the reason you're in here. Yeah. <laughs> like quite frankly, okay, I fucked up bad, but I, th I, th I think I can come back from this. Yeah. That was the first time I was like, I, I can come back from this. And, and, and a year later, I, picked up that plaque which was the name of that first podcast i said no rain no rainbows was you know i went through i went through a storm and i felt like i was just coming out on the other side and that became my life motto man no rain no rainbows because you know looking back the 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 fortitude that gave me the fortitude that experience gave me man like i'm thankful for that I'm thankful for the the strength that I have on the other side. I wouldn't want to go through it again. Right. I'm happy it's back there. But like you mentioned with that trauma, how something might have happened that we hide and, and we don't we don't share, we don't feel comfortable. Like that has given me confidence on talking on more things that I would hide. You know, there's things again, like I said, my parents might not specifically know, and I keep it vague, but you know, just ways maybe how I was introduced to adult content in the adolescent years and how that came about didn't necessarily feel comfortable the way I discovered all that. But I don't need to detail that to my parents. I don't need to burden my parents with what they might feel as a failure or whatnot. They don't need to worry about that because while I hid that for years and I never talked about it for years, going through the <laughs> whole process with ulcerative colitis in the hospital they coming out on the other end and doing things I didn't think possible 
gives me the confidence of like, like you know what? Hey, I could have it, these conversations with people, talk about some things that I've been through, things that I've had happen, and 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 say, hey, listen, it's gonna be okay, because you know I'm I'm still here. You know, I listen. Life's not perfect, but I smile more than I frown. I laugh more than I cry, and the, sh- the sun shines on my ass more than it rains. So, <laughs> so at the end of the day, like you know, no rain, no rainbows. It's it's gonna be okay. Yeah, yeah, and you know that's there's there's so many things that I have been through, and I I try to represent them on this podcast. Um, that like I'm a mental health coach, but I still struggle. Right? Like I still have my issues right like i i lost uh i lost my grandpa last year while i was in sniper school i lost my Sorry, man. one of my soldiers to uh, a firearms accident and then we lost four soldiers before him to suicide so our battalion took a big hit last you know 2020 2020 and 2021 um and then my wife and i went through three miscarriages to finally have our baby um you know like i don't I, I, I'm not going to hide that shit because that's not beneficial for anyone. You know, like I'm, I'm going to talk about it because what, what got me in trouble to the point of almost putting a bullet through my, through my brain bucket uh, was not having the conversation was not approaching it. Right. And this is, I've used this podcast really as a place to have hard conversation. That's really where I've like narrowed in who I am. Right. I could look at myself and I could say, I'm an author, I'm a, you know, mental health coach, I'm, I'm a soldier, I'm a sniper, I'm all this. But what I really am is a person that knows and intimately knows how to have hard conversations with people mm-hmm. and bring them up with regard for their, like the person they are, the humanity that is left within them. So even if you are a person that has done wrong, I can still have a conversation with you and learn from you. Right. And even if I disagree with it, I force myself to continue to have those conversations, you know, and, and even if it's hard for me, if it, even if it's triggering for me, because um, I, I forget, did I, I cried on your podcast, didn't I, in some way? Yeah. 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 Like, like, like I don't even know anymore because yeah. it's so natural for me to do that. But 10 years ago, yeah, I, you would have, I would have shot myself before I cried in front of anybody feeling anything. Right. But now I have the ability to sit in those moments and feel them while I'm also expressing myself because that's something that I know that my body needs, right? That's that connection where uh, there's the cognitive experience and the physical experience. Well, my physical experience goes a lot better when I know I can express myself. When I put myself in situations in which my body feels like it cannot express itself, I fucking hate my life. I know that, right? <laughs> I've been there. I've, you know, like talk, we can talk about the army. We can talk about a lot of different situations in my life, but I, I know for a fact that when I find myself in a situation in which I cannot physically express the feelings that I have, I am not a happy person, mm-hmm. right? And, and so the relationships that I build now are representative of that value, of that ability for expression to be necessary, right? And so if you look at me, right, like on your podcast, if you would have looked at me and said, you know, like, get over yourself, 
I, I wouldn't have had you on this podcast, right? Like, but yeah, but you represented my value in in the mirror, right? And so appreciate you that. you appreciated it, right? Like I, you can say appreciate <laughs> me, but I appreciate you, right? yeah. Because very few men in my life up until I started this journey mirrored that. Very few men actually felt, and more so, they didn't feel with me, right? Yeah. You know, and, and so the, the times that I did have that opportunity were so rare that I had to learn how to do it myself, but I had to do it by putting a gun to my head. And I don't want that for society. I don't want that for men. I don't want that for anybody, right? Yeah, man. We should be able to have conversations about how do we find the connection between our physical experience and our cognitive experience and learn how to express both without judgment, right? And even if it's crazy, right? Like, <laughs> like, like we think the things that go on inside our head are crazy, but they're normal, right? Like yeah. there's a normal narrative in there that almost every human probably has felt at one time or the other. Yeah. It's, if, you, if you don't have the ability to express it, then what I see is it typically becomes obsessive and we can't have a conversation because you're obsessed with that thing right mm. for men it can be porn it can be alcohol it can be women it can be anything right it, you know for women i one of the biggest things right and and women are are going to be like oh fuck yeah that's true it's your kids right yeah. it, you're <laughs> you are so obsessed with your kids and there's nothing wrong with that but sometimes it's because you can't learn to express certain things to certain people whether it's your kids or your husband or your parents even right because your parents yeah. can look at you and say you're doing it wrong yeah Right. Like there's it's so many there's so many different things that when we don't have the ability to express ourselves, we shut down parts of ourselves. And that is never beneficial. There's like there in, in no I, I, I think I'm going to hold this for the rest of my life. I may be wrong. So I may kind of come back to this and be like, this is the tweet that I said <laughs> that I fucked up on. Yeah. But in no I don't think in any shape or form is the the consistent uh suppression of expression a beneficial thing for humans in relationships now i say that very specifically humans in relationships because mm -hmm. if you're at war you need to you need to dismiss certain expression right to maintain survival right yeah. but if you are trying to actively build a relationship like you and me right well we've already felt with each other, right? I, I did that the first time, right? Like, yeah. and so we've, we've benefited by that. Now, if we were to do the opposite, if we were to both say like, you know, Ted, you, you got to man up, like you got to figure yourself mm -hmm. out stop being a little bitch about this. Yeah. What you're automatically probably going to take from that is that's how Dylan is. And I can't express myself around him. Yeah. Which that's not, that's not a beneficial relationship. What's interesting about that, because like, man, I I got teary eyed because you even said it right before. You're like, man, there's there's times I have that bad days, and it instantly it's like, you know, man, like there's there's times as recently as a couple day, couple days ago, I'm like, you know, peaks and valleys. I got this figured out. I'm doing great. I'm the man. To like, what? 
yeah. is going on. I'm about to be exposed. I don't, I don't deserve to be in the position that I'm in. I'm, you know, imposter syndrome or whatnot. And, and there's been days, I mean, as recently as a few months ago where I'm just like, what is all this for? Right. Like I'm busting my ass. <laughs> what is all this for? So but relatable. Like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you know, like, like literally, and I, I, I kid you not, literally it was like, it was a Wednesday I'm like, baby, I'm the man. I got this figured out. I'm crushing it. And then like Thursday, 7 p.m., I'm like, what is all this for? <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember I released my book and it was probably like two weeks later. Like I was ecstatic. I was like, I'm an author. Uh, <laughs> I just wrote my own book. I, I self-published. I basically edited the, the whole thing by myself because my, my editors were like uh, not beneficial to me. As, yeah. as much as I thought they would. So I basically edited myself um, and, and I come out with this book. I'm like excited. My, my wife, like basically when I came out of a podcast, she had like my book cover in stickers and on oh, like nice. posters and stuff. And she like, <laughs> we celebrated this, this book being published. And two weeks later, I was like, I f uh, what's the point? Yeah. Why, why did I just put out a book? It's yeah. fucking worthless, right? Like, I, I, I remember that, like, and I didn't really talk about it. And I don't think I've really talked about it that much, but you can so do, right. you can do incredible things and still look at yourself and say, what mm. the fuck is wrong with you? But the value that was helpful for me, because you mentioned these conversations and having them, you know, is like, and, and that's, that's part of like why I focus so much on modern man, right? Because yeah. I think relationships, like I have a coworker of mine and a friend of mine, we work out together and like Dylan, there's times we go to the gym and we have a killer workout and it's like, bro, we're tired. There are other times and I'll be hundred percent honest. We barely lift the weight in there. Yeah. Just, but you it's know? still beneficial, isn't it? But it, because it's like something's on their mind or whatnot, or, or even one time my buddy was quiet. It was one of those workouts. Yeah. And this was, and, and this is what I would encourage anybody listening. If there's a friend of yours who, cause we talked about love and, and, and freedom and letting that person, you know, be where they are. But if there's something you might want to do for somebody, this is what I found helpful for me. And, and, and what I did for my buddy came to the gym, we worked together. So I knew he was quiet at work, comes to the gym. He's quiet. It was just one of those. All right, you're set, you're set, workout, 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 go through the workout. Don't bother anything. At the end of the workout, I grabbed my grabbed his water bottle, handled it, handed it to him. I said, "Hey, are you all right? You sound like you, uh, it seems like something's on your mind." Just being aware, right, and acknowledging it, and just saying, "Hey, you're right. Talk to me." And and we we ended up talking for thirty more minutes after the workout. Let the silence be there. But what what I found was comfortable for me is I, there are times I'm not. I don't want to talk about. It, I want to talk about it. But if somebody just would be with me just yeah. let me be there and just be with me and then check on me all right let me open up a bit uh, or you know because like kind of what you mentioned is like building a relationship with someone dylan where like you know i can come to you i can confide in you i can tell you i'm having a hard time and you could be like listen man i understand i love you bro this is this is not easy but i'm here with you i'm in the storm with you we got this right and, and I could know that wholeheartedly you love me, you have my best interests at heart. 
And when that relationship is established and when that connection is made, uh, <laughs> it also gives you the authority to be like, all right, Ted, dust yourself off, get up and take this first step. Like it, it gives you, it gives you that authority. It gives you that, that connection and that, um, we do things for other people. Yeah. Right. It's, it's like, because I, in that instance, I don't want to let you down. Right. Like, it's like, okay, you, you're, you're in the storm with me. Yeah. And if you're like, all right, Ted, we're in this storm, we are getting drenched. I need you to take a step so we can get dry. It's and I'm and I'm going to take that step. <laughs> it's it's how you manufacture that connection that's important, right? It's like because when you when you say I don't want to let this person down, right? It's it, what kind of connection is that, right? If you don't want to let your father down because if you if you let him down, he's going to be upset. You know, he's going to call you a burden. He's going to call you this, 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 this. That's not good. That's not the connection you're looking for. Exactly what you're saying is a person that doesn't have a response to you failing and allows you to be you. That's the connection you want, right? And this yeah. connection, right? Like this, what we're talking about is you didn't care what was wrong within your buddy. The, the point was, you were there for him, right? Yeah, and that that gave him the, um, I think the safety. I think that's the word that really represent that. You know, he you gave him the safety of like, I'm asking you the question that I think you want to express, but I don't think you know I'm here for you, ready for it, ready to receive it, right? Yeah. And that's that's one of the I think if there's a if there's a trick that I have learned throughout all of this and, and helping people as long as I have, it's I go one step further and I say, if you ever want to express what you're feeling to me, I, I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to tell you when you're supposed to do it or when you're not. Um, all I ask is that you let me know that you want to. Right. And I'll sit with you as long as you need to. Right. And it's, and it's not, you know, I'm not telling him, you know, you can, you can talk to me now. Right. I'm telling him, you know, you can talk to me whenever you are ready, you know, and I'm giving him the freedom to, to kind of represent those feelings when he feels he is ready. Right. Um, and that's, that's a freedom to feel safe with me. Right. Like that's the purpose of, of making a statement like that is, I, I want you to understand that whatever you have to say to me is going to be received with safety. And if you're not ready to feel that right now, take your time. I just want you to know that I'm, I know you're struggling and I'm willing to, to sit with you if, you if you need to contact me and if you need to set that up, we can do that. Mm -hmm. You know, and that That's so many people kind of do the opposite. They kind of enforce like, hey, you need to fucking talk to me, right? Mm -hmm. I'm your mother. I'm your father. I'm your husband. I'm your wife. You need to talk to me. You need to tell me what's going on. Yeah. That's, that's not always beneficial. Some people yeah. need that, that kind of disconnection from expectation, mm -hmm. you know, because they've lived their life actually trying to do too much for other people, whereas some people haven't done enough for other people. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's balancing that connection and saying, you have the freedom here to, to express yourself but I can't force you. 
And that kind of tells, I think that tells people, oh, you're, you're right, you can't force me and I wouldn't let you. Yeah. Because I, I don't feel comfortable with that. But the fact that you're doing that for me is trust building. Mm. And it makes, it, it, I think it pulls people to want to share that. But you have to be authentic with that, right? You can't, you can't yeah. lie about that. Like that's not the kind of thing you can do that with. You're, you're so right. Because I mean, when I asked my friend, hey, it sounds like you got something you want to share. I think kind of through the workout and through the day, I've already kind of had the air like, hey, I'm not acting like anything was different. I wasn't acting weird around him or like, oh, I can't talk or, or whatnot. I picked up on the vibe. I picked up on the hints, but I also made it very okay. Like it, it wasn't, there wasn't any reaction to the environment based on how he was. So I also really had, when I asked, like, Hey, you, like, you sound like you have, you seem like you have something you might have on your mind. It was also a very nonchalant kind of like, I'm okay. If you say, no, I'm fine. Yeah. Like there's no judgment. There's no pressure. There's like, I'm just, I'm just letting you know, Hey man, I'm here if you need me. Yeah. And, and and creating that space is what's so important. And it's kind of funny because like it kind of to your point earlier where you mentioned the importance of the conversations, like the importance of the conversations before it gets there, right? Before it gets to that point. And yeah. I think we are, we're living in when we went with the whole, the prescribed lives that we're living with social media and everything, we are living with disconnect and we have the defensiveness right away. If something makes me uncomfortable or challenges my belief or my view of the world, it's so uncomfortable. It becomes instantly combative. We now live in a world where there is no safe place to have any of these meaningful conversations. Yeah. Just like you say, how rare it is to you know sit back and forth, man. I teared up when you told me like, you still have your hard days because I instantly know what it was like. And like I instantly you know, think to myself, like, yeah, man, there is still so much work to be done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like there's still so much work to be done. And I think there's always going to be work to be done. Yeah. But at the same time, how you've crafted your life, this, and this is the exciting part. And I could tell the way you've crafted your life and just on this podcast, the way I've crafted my life through having the podcast and through communication with my wife and my friends and everything is I've understood the importance of these these conversations and these safe places. So I'm curating that for me as much as I can with the modern man. I'm trying to make that more mainstream, make this more comfortable and, and, and you're, you're doing the same. Yeah. So it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, Hey, listen, I, I love the fact that I can always make sure that my friends know like, Hey, if you need me, we can have the conversation, but it's all, it's an always uh, like an open door policy. And it's like wanting to project that in the world that we live in, how great it would be if we could sit down and I call it, I, I refer to it as eat the meat, leave the bones, you know, yeah. like I, we, I could sit down and, and, and this is a skill that I think I got from my parents because I could sit down with somebody that I might not necessarily be interested in being friends with. I might not really care for too much. We don't have anything in common, but I could still listen, talk, and learn. I could still eat the meat, leave the bones, you yeah. know? Because even when I would be delinquent into some of my behavior, there was a house me and my wife wanted to buy. My parents didn't like it, and they were like, oh, well, you know, if you really want to buy it, uh, they were, they were going to help us with the down payment. My parents were like, we don't really like the house. And after, I was like, well, we're going to go with it anyway. The next thing they said is, what do you need? 
because even in the delinquency, I might disagree with what you're you're doing or what you say, but I don't want it to fail. If I love you, I want it to be a success, you know? And one of my favorite quotes that I think gets forgotten these days is, especially in our, in our, in our country and around the world is, I love the quote of, I disagree with what you say, but I will defend you until death you're right to say it. Because I do think at the core, a lot of us, all of us, we just want to be heard, loved, and respected. And I wrote down in my book, in my notes, I open my up my notes, and when I meditate or I think of things, I try and journal along the along the way and write down my thoughts. Right, kind of clear out some of my mind. I call it my mind dump. And, and I remember I wrote down a quote that just kept kind of coming back to me one day, and it was just you know, with all the real the religions, the political parties, the ideologies and beliefs in the world, when we when we as humans get on our knees, close our eyes and pray, a lot of us are praying for the same thing. No matter who we're praying to, what we're praying to, what we believe. Like a lot of us are really just praying for the same thing. Just maybe in our own way. So at the end of the day, we're really all, not all that different. And being able to sit down because like you could sit down with most people who are like, man, I just want to take care of my family. I just want to be with my loved ones. I just want to you know, just enjoy my time while I'm on this earth, right? Like those are things a lot of people could probably resonate with, and I would, I would agree, man. Like you deserve all the time with your family you can have. You, you deserve to have the kids that you want to have, or not have the kids you don't want to have. You deserve to travel all around the world, or stay in your little corner of your nook that you've gotten comfortable with, and you can stay there for the rest of your life. You deserve that if that's what gives you joy and happiness. That might not be what I choose for joy and happiness, but you deserve that and you want that. And just as I want that for myself, I want that for you. And though we might carry it out differently, I'm down to sit down and discuss, well, how can we both get what we want? Yeah. Cause we do want the same thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's the ability to express is, is such a profound requirement and in, in how we live life. And I think that's, you know, I think, I know there's probably needs kind of matrices that, that kind of express that, but um, it's just something that I think is becoming so mainstream now, which is good. I think it's good. Um, but at the same time, it comes with its own risks, you know, and, and even the, the conversation we're having right now, I think it comes with risks because yeah. what if, the thing that you express is dangerous for other people or harmful to other people, right? Like what if, you know, uh, what if, right? Like, you know, those are the, those are the situations in which, um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm one of those people that I think will always struggle with, you know, things like pedophilia. I, you know, it's, where does the expression like how do we how do we talk about that like I, and and i'm yeah. i i open this conversation up to to people uh often because i you know i've i've worked with clients who've been through sex trafficking um and human trafficking and i i don't know how i can be on board with with that kind of issue right mm -hmm. of you know, we, we want to let people express themselves, but at the same time, there has to be a limit, right? Like, I, I don't see how that can be acceptable. 
Right. Yeah. But at the same time, like, you know, going back to that quote, it's a remarkable quote, but where's the limit? Mm. Right. Like, you know, that's, that's always my question is I, I, I don't know if we should be allowed to do, you know, or say anything and, and everything. Maybe mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm again, I'm American, I'm an American soldier. So I've, I <laughs> live and die by the constitution <laughs> and, I've, and I've defended that for almost 15 years. Um, and I very much value the first amendment, but the first amendment doesn't say you can sexually assault children or rape children. Right. Yeah. If you I, want to talk about it, that's your prerogative, but I'm not going to be on board with that, you know, but when you do it, that's a problem. You know Correct. I, mean? I, I I do think that there's um I mean there's codes values um you know morals that that fundamentally uh you know certain people live by and 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 abide by when I when I say you know you're right to say it uh, and defend until death it's it's more so your your right to say it doesn't extend to influence right i mean so for example but that's a that's a dangerous kind of it's it is it is a yeah. dangerous but so so on the podcast right now i i'm not saying that i censor myself but i'm aware of who i'm speaking to right um i'm aware of the audience that i have and there is um in my in my perspective there is a responsibility with this microphone in front of my mouth you know, I I am acutely aware that what I'm saying right now is being recorded. Yep. I'm acutely aware that someone's going to be hearing it and potentially getting influence from it. Yep. So because of that, there is there there is a sense of responsibility in that. Just like when I'm on air, the the way I carry myself and the vernacular I use is actually different than the vernacular that I use with my friends. And mm-hmm. and this is something I pointed out was the way I speak with my peers is different than I speak with my friends from high school, which is different than the way I speak with my siblings, which is different than the way I speak with my parents. It's, and it's different than the way I speak on this podcast. And it's not that I'm different. I'm the same person in all, but I communicate differently, right? So communicating differently is kind of the fundamental of understanding that there is weight and there is gravity to the things that I say. And I'm not denying that. I'm deni- I'm I'm saying that if I'm on stage with X amount of people listening, yeah. there are wholeheartedly things that I cannot say. Yeah. Absolutely. Flat out things There's, I cannot say. What's what's interesting is that was how I operated when I was younger. And the older I get, the more I think I, rather than censor myself, I have actually kind of tried to transform myself into the person that I just want to be everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, maybe this comes from working with people um, who've been through things like rape and sexual assault and sexual violence, but I don't make those jokes anymore like I used to, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and, and I think uh, you know, I, I'm military 15 years, right? That, that's, that stuff comes out. I just don't, I don't enjoy it anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't have the taste of, you know, that kind of dark humor anymore. And that's not that, not to say that I don't laugh every once in a while when ma- someone makes a joke like that, but I don't see them. I don't, I'm not a part of that, but I don't speak much differently in the military than I do now 
on this mm-hmm. podcast. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's really interesting to me because I don't, I don't fucking censor myself clearly. Right. <laughs> um, but I just don't use the languages, the language that I don't value anymore, anywhere. I agree. And that's, yeah. that's what I find really interesting because the way I talk here is almost exactly the same way I'm going to talk to my wife and I'm going to talk to my, my friends, the way I talk to people in the military, this is Mm -hmm. just who I am. And I try to maintain that because who I used to be was that kind of segmented personality trying to fit the narrative of each situation. And what I found is I don't fucking enjoy that. Yeah. Right. And so I've, I've, I think I've kind of clarified, Dylan, this is who you're going to be. And if you fit the environment, you're going to stay in the environment. If you don't fit the environment, don't stay in the environment. Yeah. And like this, like this podcast, I love what you do. And I, I do the same. Like I shamelessly have talked about this many times before. This is mine, right? Like this, this is my safe place because I, regardless of whether the person across from me is safe or not, this is my place to express myself, mm-hmm. right? I obviously bring people on to interview and talk to, but I talk too, right? Mm-hmm. And I could also kick you off and make my own episode 76 <laughs> if I wanted yeah, to. Like, you know, this right? did work out. <laughs> you know, and, and not that I even do that, but like if I wanted to just do a solo episode, which I do, do that uh not long ago i made a an episode for my my daughter my newborn daughter yeah um fuck that was emotional right mm-hmm. but that's it was an ode to her for someday when either i'm not here or i want her to look back and see who i was mm-hmm. right and so like i wasn't i didn't make that for my my people that was a hundred percent for me because I know what it's like to grow up, grow up without a father and not know anything about who he was. Mm-hmm. I want her to know who I, who I am. And so I, I, I shared that. And did it benefit people? I don't know. I don't care because it's not for them. And so mm-hmm. like, I, I very much kind of not necessarily, uh, you know, I don't do what obviously you're kind of talking about. And I find that really interesting because, you know, the, we're, we're having a very similar perspective, but slight differences. I always find that interesting. Yeah, it is because like, it's, it's almost like, um, an example I used was if, if you're a business owner and we're, we're trying to close a big deal in China and they're like, Oh, okay. You know, the customers, you bow, you say, shay, shay, when they serve the tea and it's customary to sip and then you close the deal. If this is the biggest deal we're going to do, I'm looking at you. I'm like, Dylan, man, we're going to bow. We're going to say shit, shit. We're going to, you know, we're going to cl- close this deal. Uh, <laughs> but, it, but it's not, but it's like, okay, you know, fundamentally the values and everything, it's it's also kind of a form of respect into yeah. what their culture and, and how they communicate, right? And so that's, I realize that's, that's a part of my nature too. Yeah. That's an interesting thing because I was thinking about this. I couldn't remember what word it was. Um, but like basically the idea of taking someone else's culture and abusing it, right. And not really respecting it. I can't remember what that word is. Um, but you know, it came, it came out and 
uh, a couple of days ago and I, I read it and I was watching this video about like how this guy wore a traditional Mexican garb, walked around, you know, San Francisco and people were just like, that's offensive, right? A bunch of white people were like, that's offensive, right? And then he went to uh, the the Hispanic side of town or something. Right? He went to Mexico or like somewhere where Hispanics saw this and were like, I love it, man. That's great. I love it. Yeah. Right. And so like, like this, this disconnect between culture, but I'm like, I embrace culture naturally. Like I went to Dubai and I, I got to ride around with uh, this guy named Mr. President. And he, at the time is 2013, he had a 2014 Lamborghini Ventador, right? Dubai money, right? He had yeah. real fuck, fuck you money. Yeah. And we were driving around Dubai for, you know, a couple hours. And then he took me to a hole in the wall store and he bought me a, a full on garb of what the locals wear. Uh, and I yeah. forget the name of what it's called. I still have it. Um, but a full on, like, like in Afghanistan, we call them mandresses, right? Yeah. But, but he bought me a full on one for, for like 800 dirhams, which is like four or 500 bucks wow. uh, American money. And, and I wore it around Dubai mall with some shades and, and, you know, and people were laughing at me, but I was with him and I was like, I, I fully respected that culture. I was like, this is, this is so interesting to kind of walk around. Like this is a, a statement to walk around Dubai mall with this person in this attire. You know, I've, I've kept that to this very day, whatever, wear it around here. No, cause people would be like crazy <laughs> at the same time. I keep it and I value it because it was it was him showing me and revealing to me the the culture that I never would have had the opportunity to learn had he not offered that that chance to me and he took me to a really great restaurant that was like again hole in the wall like the yeah. the place where tourists don't go and understand this is where locals eat um and I just valued that experience you know and and that's something where I think people lose sight of is that they feel like they have to be, you know, I have to be, I have to maintain my culture. I'm like, no, I have to, I have to recognize the, the culture of other people. And that's why I think I'm okay with being who I am mm -hmm. because I'm accepting of other people's culture up into a point. Right. Yeah. If you're well, it happened, uh, we were in Costa Rica and my wife noticed this and she was just how she was saying how, um, people would try and speak English. Like they, they would, they would meet us. They would realize we're tourists, and they're like, "Oh, how do you say this?" and and everything. She's like, "You know, isn't that so nice that they try to speak English or they try?" And like, then I would try and I, me and her would try and speak um, Spanish, and they would correct us and 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 all that. And and the the beauty about it is, and that's kind of why I think I I guess it's more of like chameleon but still being who you are in your own skin yeah so we probably do something of this of, of the same thing but we are kind of different in our approach to it right sure because my thought process is making that person comfortable and a lot of what the strategy is 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 the mirroring right yeah. people are comfortable with familiarity so if i'm speaking and this is and it also goes back to what i talk about you know, being too black for the white kids, too white for the black <laughs> kids. Like if I could be blunt, honest and frank is, you know, I have a lot of 
you got a lot of practice who speak a different vernacular than my other friends. Like we in my in my Catholic school class, senior year, and you know you're a senior, so half the classes are just you're sitting there talking half the class anyway. We literally sat in the back of the classroom, uh, this this one class, I forgot what it was. This is my buddy Rob Agar and me. And we would hold Ebonics 101. <laughs> <laughs> and he would literally sit down and I would sit next to him. And we'd had a couple of our, our friends would come. And we're just joking. We're we're 18-year-old kids joking. But he'd be like, all right, so me and my homies, right? We were kicking over this and the other thing. And I would be like, so me and my friends were hanging out one day. <laughs> and I would translate <laughs> what he's saying <laughs> for my buddies. So like... <laughs> 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 and, then, and then they would say something back and I was like, all right, so check it. And I would turn to Robert. <laughs> <laughs> and we called it Ebonics 101. Oh my but God. Like, that would be but, hilarious. But like, but you know what's what's so funny about that? Because we talk about culture and, and we talk about uh, about people's life experiences. Is like it's Dylan when I used to think it was quote unquote, like a curse, like, okay, growing up in a, in a poor, a poor neighborhood, but going to a rich Catholic school, right? Like the kid across the street, his, he sold crack to on the, in the street and he sold crack to his mom, but he sold crack so he could pay the bills. Mm-hmm. Right. This was the, the, the house around the corner. Meanwhile, I go to school and then there's a 17 year old girl crying because her dad got her the base BMW mo- model and the dude parked next to her selling weed out of the trunk out of his H2 Hummer because he wants to be cool. I'm seeing that these two stark differences, right? And that duality, though, also showed me two different cultures. It also showed me how alike we are. I told my mom, she, her, my parents came to visit not too long ago when we were talking. And I said, hey, mom, dad, I love you because you guys did the best you can with me. But I just want to let you guys know that, you know, when you sent me to a Catholic school because you wanted to keep me away from the drugs and the alcohol, like it, it, that didn't work. Like didn't work. You, you you took me away from the 40s and the crack and took me to the Goldschlager and the cocaine. And I'm not in indulging any of all that, but it's, 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 it's just like, you know, the the indulgences were the same, the. Yep. The needs were the same. The wants were the same. So I got to see how similar these drastic worlds were, these drastically different worlds were. But I've also gotten to learn how to communicate with those two worlds. And because of that, I've learned just in different areas that some people communicate, some people actually respond better when communicated into a way that they're comfortable with. Yeah. And and though like, you know, and that's why I say it's like, I could be Ted. I could I could still have my values, my beliefs, my morals, my 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 underlining thing. But if my goal is to communicate with you and connect with you, I always talk about communication being twofold. We have two ears. Yes, we need to listen, assess, and understand what this person is trying to deliver to us. That's really important in communication. But I also think I need to accommodate and also understand how this person receives information. Because if this person does not receive information the way I give it, there's going to be a drastic misunderstanding. And sometimes that, that leads to, all right, then I just don't want to talk to this person. Why? Because, you know, something as simple <laughs> is like <laughs> something as simple as, you know, you ever tell a girl, you look good today. Are you trying to say I look bad all the other days? 
Whoa, 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 whoa. Maybe <laughs> I should have said it differently. <laughs> but but it's it's the embracing of all these different cultures that I think enhance our lives. Yeah. And it and it and it it broadens our palate and allows us to live such a rich full life when we when we when we embrace everybody for who they are. And you said it before safe place no judgment i can embrace and love you like the fact that you're walking around um the mall of dubai and what this what this man bought you he's probably ecstatic that you're embracing his culture and because of that it's building connection and you're still dylan you're still who you are but you're you're showing him like hey your customs and 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 your your wardrobe or whatnot like you know i'll i'll try it out i'll i'll take it for a spin i'm gonna see how you guys live and how you how you experience experience and enjoy life yeah. and that's going to build connection and you can and pick up a little of the same from you not even a year before that i was in afghanistan right and so like yeah. the the stark contrast of those situations was like back then you know it was it was very much i mean this is 2013 Right. Like back then people, people still had this kind of Islamophobia, you know? And so like the Middle East was so foreign and it was so, uh, you know, there's so much fear there. And so like, when I went there, I was like, I almost felt like I was going to get judged, but I was like, I don't give a shit, you know, because I, I meet this person, I have a conversation with this person and I respected them. Right. Like, I think, you know, if you want to, if you want to kind of earn someone's trust, you have to have empathy, right? And if you want to, you know, there's, there's a lot of things in there to really develop an understanding of culture. Well, like, there's nothing wrong with people who value Islam. And there's nothing wrong with people that value Christianity, right? The problem is, is when you value certain things beyond the values of Christianity and Islam, more than the values of Christianity, Islam, right? The Taliban valued uh, committing acts of violence over the values of Islam. That that was case in point, right? And and Christian Christians have the same problem sometimes. Um, you know, like that's what the KKK is there for, and that's what the Taliban does, right? Like these organ, like you're saying the same thing, right? These organizations or these people have the same conceptualizations, and that's where it becomes dangerous. Um, but culture is not altogether dangerous. Mm. It's, it's how we then, uh, influence with it. And that's, you know, kind of go back to the core of our question of, you know, where's the limit? Well, we're, we're actively trying to develop limits every day by having these conversations. Um, I think the benefit is more people are having a voice in the conversation, right? Mm. In the sixties, you know, African-Americans and minorities started having a voice. That's remarkable. Well, now I think, uh, you know, in the, in just the past 10 years, even more people that have never historically had a voice are becoming even more active. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. I think. I would that, say the importance of those voices is, uh, is the fact of the matter is, we talked about the things that we prescribe to and we don't prescribe to the things that I might agree with and not agree with. And my, while I might defend you until death, you're right to say it. I also am going to adamantly and perhaps even aggressively 
counteract some of those things that I don't agree with. Right. Yep. And and it's always it's always gonna be to a match degree. And, and and here is I think part of the the issue and the benefit with social media is because everybody has a voice. But because of that, we're living in a world where the loudest voices have risen to the top but not the most rational ones. Right. Right. And and, and it's hard to sift through that, which is why I think the ability to eat the meat and leave the bones is some was one of the most valuable things I'm focusing on right now as a skill because there is so much noise. I hear so many things from so many different people that I have to be able to decide, you know, I can't just take the person as a whole and say, okay, what they, they're, they're good. So what they say I prescribe to. Yeah. I, I'm honestly, as I get older, I feel less and less like that. Like there's there, there like, like there's very few people like it's, it's like when someone says, I'll speak on your behalf. Whoa. I don't know if you could just speak on my behalf. Nah. <laughs> nah, you know, like I, I don't know you like that. Like now, I might agree with one or two points you might have made, but that doesn't sure. mean you could represent me in the court of law or anything like that. Just because we both <laughs> like soccer doesn't mean you know what the fuck I I think about everything else in my life, right? Exactly. Yeah. So it's like there, there's, there's very few people where I'm like I wholeheartedly co-sign every single thing this person says. <laughs> yeah. That's so, Some of it's like... that's so so fucking interesting. I love that. Um, like we we, and that's funny because like we we label ourselves sometimes. We're like well, I'm conservative or I'm Republican or I'm Democrat or liberal or I'm I'm you know Green Party or Libertarian, mm -hmm. and it's like we think we know what that means, but the reality is is within the Republican Party there are vast number of differing opinions obviously if you look at 2016 alone you could see that yeah. right you look at liberal and democratic party that's a vast <laughs> amount of opinions right uh and same with libertarian right like that it, it, what what we label ourselves does not always fit who we are and who we want to be right because there are people that call themselves conservatives but actually have liberal and democratic values right? i think chris and, rock said it best when he joked he's like i don't get what people say the party affiliations he's like anybody who says they've decided on how they feel about the issue before hearing the issue <laughs> yeah it's a fucking problem it's like what are you what are we talking about yeah. what do you stand on well i'm this hold on but you you, you didn't hear what the issue was yeah. you're picking the side before you hear what the issue is that's that's silly yeah. Yeah, it's it's and it's an assumption of righteousness when you know you can take righteousness to a very dangerous place real quick. And that's yeah. a it's a good, you know, for example, you know, 1933 mm -hmm. Nazi Germany, right? Mm -hmm. the, the rise of Hitler. Hitler it, what's funny is that both parties are looking at the other party and saying, "Hey, this looks a lot like the rise of Hitler." And what people don't realize is because people are in separate echo chambers is that both parties have the potential to become Hitler-like. That's the, that's the fascinating part is people don't realize that people can just be people, right? It's not democratic or liberal people that can become tyrants. It's not mm -hmm. just conservative people that can become tyrants. Even libertarian people could probably become tyrants if given enough power. And if you don't respect that, right? Like I, I look at people as hypocritical Mm -hmm. beings that's that i think hypocritic being hypocritical is human nature because 
we we forget we we uh we lose sight of um we lose track of our values and sometimes what we're what we say 10 years ago is going to be hypocritical of what we said just now Mm -hmm. um and so if you don't if you don't respect that you're you're looking at a human being and not understanding fully the capacity for human beings to be wrong. No human being on the planet will ever be 100% right. It's, it's, I don't think it's possible because Mm -hmm. everyone, you know, there's 8 billion opinions out there, right? And just because the majority agrees with that opinion, again, Nazi Germany, right? Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. And we, we generally need to have better conversations around morality, just like you're talking about, eat the the meat and leave the bones. Um, And I, I love the concept. We, we said earlier, and I think this kind of brings it full circle for the episode about, you know, the obedience and the healthy disobedience. And I think it was Albert Einstein who said the quote of, you know, in, in the Nazi Germany era, everyone assumes that they'd be Jewish, but no one assumes that they'd be a Nazi. And, and the reality is, you know, yeah, and, and, and it's a very, there's a very thin line. Uh, when I mentioned about, you know, the obedience is I, I work in, in TV and I work in, in local media and, and, you know, regardless of what people believe, I know when I'm on air, I'm doing the best job I can do. But I also think, what if one day there's something in the teleprompter I don't want to say? What if there's something one day right. I, I just don't feel what I'm doing anymore is helping? What if one day, you, you know what I mean? Like if, yep. if what I feel is maybe causing more of an issue in the world than helping in the world. You know, what if, uh, and you could probably attest to some of that, these concerns more than I could have like, you know, if, if I was um, a soldier and Mm -hmm. I was ordered to do something that didn't stand with my morals, you know, the what ifs of, you know, where we've, where we've come in terms of the importance of these conversations being the ability to bridge the gap before it becomes so separated, become the, before the voices become so loud, before our identities become so alien to each other that we can't find our way back. Because at the end of the day, and you know, I'll, I'll end with this is 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 kind of man. None of us has the wisdom of what's past this life. Yep. None of us have the w- wisdom of what's past this life. We we have our beliefs, we have our faiths, and and there's nothing wrong with those. But I don't know anybody who's come back <laughs> and said, "Hey, y'all, this is this is what we got going on on the other side of this." Right. So while we are here on this rock, living this life, we are typically we are technically all in the same boat we're all going through the same thing and all the, just trying all, to figure it out <laughs> the only thing that's certain is the uncertainty of this <laughs> this, this yep. thing that we're in that's the only thing that's certain is yep. the uncertainty of what we're in and if we could love that acknowledge that and do our best listen man you know for, for some like like you and myself I, I feel a connection i feel a vibe i feel the energy like others it doesn't work for me and <laughs> I'm just I'm just gonna be over here do what I do, and that is also for me mental health. Yep. Because why there's so many people who 
who find things they disagree with and they keep watching. Can you believe this? Can you believe this? Can you believe this? People right. don't send me stuff like that. People don't send me stuff that I disagree with. No. Right. Like that. that's because when someone tells me, sends me something like, Oh, can you believe someone said this? I don't entertain it, man. No, I don't either. I don't need that in my life. Yeah. I'm not I've, saying it, it doesn't exist and there's no place for it. It's just not for me. Right. I, I am actively trying to do better. And so like that is a pursuit that requires me to sacrifice things like that you know because i i just don't i just don't have to i don't i don't need to dig into fucking conspiracy theories that have yet to be proven if someone wants to go for it right if that's what you feel like you need to do go for it it's just not for me you know and i and i value the people that do have the ability to dig into a conspiracy theory and then eventually determine that it's true or false or whatever um is it confirmed? Let me know when it's confirmed. That's exactly. That's, that's right? what I'm like. like. Are we confirmed? All right. I'll be aware of it, but until it's confirmed, it's... Yep. it's... I'll read a story on it once, and then uh, you let me know if that, that changes. Yeah, how'd, that, how'd that play out? You know? <laughs> I appreciate the heads up, but... Right. Uh, well, Ted, this... I mean, I feel like we're going to... We've already gone too long, because... <laughs> you know why not right uh, i had no doubt <laughs> but, but i think it was beneficial hopefully it's not too late for you um let me ask you the final question so we can get you uh get you going where you need to go yeah man if there was one message you could leave the world what would it be i mean my head goes in a whole bunch of different areas but let me take a second because i i do want to genuinely and authentically answer one message man uh that that you are enough um you got this Things might not look exactly how you want it, panned out the way you want it, but the irony is it's probably turning out better than you expect. And you just got to trust yourself, take that step, and trust that everything you need is within you and the things that you don't have is out there in the world waiting for you to discover them. But you got this and you are enough. I think that's the message, right? I love it. I love it. Because it's true. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't care if you've you've made incredible mistakes, there's still an opportunity to to provide value to counteract that. If you've got life, you still have the ability to provide that value. But I think you also have to earn it. Mm-hmm. And that's for you to earn. You know, and other people will probably look at you and say, you can't earn it with me, but that doesn't mean you can't earn it with other people and provide benefit elsewhere, you know? So you may not be enough for one person, but you might find that you are enough for other people. Mm-hmm. And that is also a valuable lesson. <sighs> Ted. Hello, man. I, 
I just love you. I, th I think you're a, a fascinating, too, fascinating individual. And I think we obviously need to continue whatever mm -hmm. relationship we've got going on here. We got to continue that because, you know, I, I, I have so many people on this podcast that I just genuinely feel like I, I have a vibe with and I have a, mm -hmm. an understanding of, and obviously you're one of them. Appreciate um, it. And I think it tells with how long our conversation has been tonight, because yeah. it's always the longer conversations that seem to be Dylan really likes this person, not to say the short conversations. I don't like those people, but <laughs> the long ones are definitely representation of I really enjoy this conversation and this person. Yeah. Um, so, you know, man, just... I feel like we could keep going too. Man. <laughs> we could, <laughs> we could, but you got to go to sleep, right? I do. I do. My <laughs> wife's going to be like, you okay? You <laughs> Like, I just need some sleep. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Ted, uh, or for anybody, right, that's listening to this podcast still, yeah. go check out Ted. Uh, I have a feeling that me and Ted are probably going to have more conversations moving forward. Um, so keep in, keep in, we'll keep in contact and we'll make sure. But check out Ted's links below. Um, check out The Modern Man and his podcast if you haven't. Um, and yeah. I just want to thank you, Ted, for being on the podcast and having me on your podcast. And then I want to thank the people listening for also listening um, and listening as long as they have, if you're still listening. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, guys, we'll catch you next time on the Dylan Experience. That.